0: Hi, this is Mark Lee, pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Lux Digital Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Hello, Lux Digital Church, and welcome. We're so excited to have you here with us tonight uh, I just want to say welcome to every person who's here especially if you're here for the very first time my name is Mark and I am the pastor here at Lux digital Church I hope you guys like our new background I hope you I hope you like these these things that we hung up here because uh, I built this crazy apparatus that's over my head that you can't actually see we, I, we built it um, over the weekend so i hope that you love the love the new setup uh we wanted to do something a little bit unique and a little bit different than what we had but i hope that you are enjoying it welcome 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 like i said especially if you're here for the first time i want to thank cuz there's already been a couple people we'll give you a shout out in post show uh, uh that have dropped follows here on the stream tonight we want to thank you for doing that if you are here for the first time and you haven't hit the follow button yet and you want to you can hit the follow button know that we go live every wednesday night at 8:30 p.m. EST right here at twitch.tv slash Lux Digital Church. And that's especially for those of you who might be here for the very first time, or maybe you're listening in later. Maybe you're listening in via VOD or you're watching via YouTube, or maybe um, you're listening in via podcast. We want to invite you to come back and join us live um, here. Oh, okay. Are we we better? I, I messed up something vocally. I'm good. Okay, perfect. We're good. <laughs> Hanging light. Uh, well, welcome, Templar. Glad to have you here, Song Stitcher. Welcome. Right now, we are in week three of a uh, eight-week series um, called Whisper, and it's based off of a book by the same name by Mark Batterson. That book's name is Whisper. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been sort of building up and getting into the way in which God talks to us. The reality is most of us, if we think there is a God or if we're interested to know if there is a God, we're also interested to know how is it that we can actually commune with that God. How is it that we're able to connect with that God? And uh, I think this whole series is really about the multitude of ways that God can speak to us. We introduced the the series a couple of weeks ago, and this week, um, last week specifically, we talked about the Rosetta Stone of God's voice. The primary way that God speaks to us, which is through His word. And you'll notice as we go through the next six weeks, the things that we're going to talk about are going to get consistently sort of like less reliable and a little bit more uncertain as we go. They're going to be a little bit harder to discern. And you may be thinking in your mind right now, how could I possibly look at life and figure out how God is speaking to me? Because I believe that God wants to speak to you through the people in your life, the circumstances that are going on around you, even the chaos of the world that we're in. I believe that God has a message for us and desires to speak to us. And you may be wondering, how can I possibly sort of sort through all of those voices to be able to discern the voice of God amongst everything else that's going on in my life. Well, the reality is most of us simply have a voice or a, a world that's far too loud. Most of us have too many things going on, too many noises in our lives to actually tune into the voice of God. Jesus himself, 2000 years ago, consistently sought places of silence in solitude. In fact, it says this in Luke chapter five, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Now that's actually Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Verses 12 through 16 will tell you a fuller description of some of the story. But Jesus had just got done being with a massive crowd of people because of some of the miraculous ways that he had healed people throughout his life. Because his ministry had drawn this huge crowd. His life was constantly full of noise. In fact, people would come from all over with those who were sick or those who were disabled, and they would bring them to Jesus because he frequently would heal them. His life was full of noise. And this was almost 2,000 years before the internet, almost 2,000 years before 5G and iPhones. Now today, our world is more full of noise than it has ever been before. In fact, most of us rarely spend a moment in silence. From the time that we wake up, we're moving from a Twitch stream to a YouTube video, to a podcast, to a TV show. We're jumping from one thing to the next all throughout our day, constantly bombarded by noise. And that's not all. It's not just audible noise that we're constantly being bombarded by. It's also visual noise from ads on Twitch streams and YouTube videos. Even when we're driving down the road, the billboards and the signs along the side of the road, we're constantly being bombarded by visual noise. Almost every square inch of space, both digitally and physically, is being rented or leased to try to grab our attention, interrupt our days, break our train of thought, and convince us that our lives are incomplete or lacking if we don't get whatever this person is selling to us, if we don't get that brand of makeup or that type of shampoo, if we don't buy that type of car, that our lives are in some ways less. The visual and the audible noise that we have in our lives all the time simply drowns out everything else. It keeps us in a chaotic and frantic mix of emotions, making us go between pure joy and anxiety from moment to moment, spreading us thin and making us incapable of focusing on one thing at a time. The reality is, like Jesus, if we want to be able to hear the voice of God, we have to learn how to turn down all of the other noises of life until they're either off or they're below the threshold of God's whisper in our lives so that we can tune our ear to his voice. So we can begin to understand not only what he wants to communicate to us, but also what he desires for us to do. The way that he's created us and the way that he has built us. Now tonight, we're going to be talking about the specific language of desires. And when you hear the word desire, it may provoke a lot of different things in you. But before we get into that, I want to go to the one point that we have throughout this entire collection of talks. Throughout the entire Whisper Collection, we're going to be going back to one thing each week, every week, and that's going to be this. God speaks in more ways than we think, but we must learn to listen. God speaks in more ways than we think, but we must learn to listen. I believe most of us come into life with a question about whether or not there is a higher power, a God, a creator. Is there something bigger than us in this world? Is there a purpose that's greater than what we have been giving our lives to? And if we decide that there is a God, we often want to know, how do we go about communing with that God? Now, in most world religions, there isn't many ways to commune with that God. There may be ways for us to sacrifice or present our uh, sort of devotion to the God, but very rarely, if ever, does that God answer back. However, the Bible teaches us that those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus are also counted among God's sons and daughters, people that he actively wants to communicate with. And he communicates with us in a wide variety of different ways. We simply have to learn to tune our ear to listen. So let's talk about the voice of desire in our lives. When you hear the word desire, you might think of a lot of different things. Perhaps desire just links to sexual desire for you. And it's a word that's sort of linked intrinsically and only to that world. But we always have desires. You might have a desire for a candy bar, but you might also have a desire for a better life. You might have a desire for fame and fortune, or you might have a desire for good health. Most of us have desires. Some of them are significant, some of them not so significant. We can have a desire for tacos we can also have a desire for having children or being relieved of chronic pain or getting a loved one back that we had lost to something and so for us desires range very widely from being really strong and good and really strong and super destructive in fact most of us know somebody or we ourselves have really destructive desires in our lives You can desire for a good job, but you can also desire the temporary high of heroin. One of those things will probably lead you to a more productive life that will cause you to engage more with the people around you and actually have some sort of healthy ambition in your life. The other one likely will destroy your life and in the end may end up killing you. And most of us know people who have unhealthy or destructive desires. In fact, most of us have at least a few of them. But we usually mask those things. We've usually learned how to hide them rather well. And I am no sort of of stranger to desires. In fact, if you look at my life, throughout different seasons of my life, and probably more so in the last handful of years, I've been kind of a slave to the desires of my heart, the things that I've wanted, the things that I've longed for. You can ask my wife. I'm sort of like... Uh, relentless once I get my mind wrapped around something. You know, if I think of a purgatory burger one day and I really want a purgatory burger, I will be relentless about getting the purgatory burger until within a couple of days, almost always, I get my mouth wrapped around that delicious purgatory burger because I can be relentless about the food that I want. Most Southwest Grill is like an Achilles heel. The fact that I mentioned it tonight probably means I have to go there tomorrow because I'll be relentless about pursuing it. Gray Hood says, Burgatory? That sounds great. It's an amazing burger joint. It's absolutely delicious. I'm sorry that they don't have them wherever you are. They're amazing. Uh, and so for me, like I am sort of relentless about the things that I desire. When it comes to a video game, I can really get sort of like crazy about it. I'll consume tons of streaming content, watch YouTube videos. Maybe there's a new thing in Dungeons and Dragons that I'm really interested in. I have a lot of desires in my life. And sometimes they can rule my life. Maybe one of the most ridiculous ones comes from a story a couple of years ago. The Nintendo Switch had just come out earlier that holiday season, and I'm dating, it's probably older than that. No, memory from several years ago. And with it, came the game Breath of the Wild. Now I desperately wanted to play Breath of the Wild. I had a longing for Breath of the Wild because I knew it was an amazing game. I was watching YouTube content about it and I really wanted to play it. So I had a desire to own a Nintendo Switch, but they were almost impossible to get your hands on. And with a new daughter on the way or our first daughter on the way, uh, my wife was not about to let me go pay an arm and a leg for one off of somebody who had bought up three or four of them and was trying to sell them at a 400% markup at the time. So I thought there's no way I'm gonna get a Nintendo switch Well a couple months later we had to go register for our baby shower now registering for your wedding shower is pretty amazing You basically get to go into stores and you take a scanner and you just poke it at things that you want and you're like Bam, 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 and you just like I want that. I want that baby shower Not so cool because for a baby shower registry you're only allowed to register for things that the baby needs Which is ridiculous? because the baby doesn't even remember the first like four years of their life. So it is certainly not the stuff that we're gonna use that they're gonna give us during the baby shower. I mean, wouldn't the baby be happier knowing that these years that they don't remember their father was also very happy because the father got things that they wanted? That just made sense. I understand why on a baby registry, dad can't also register for Star Wars Legos or board games or something that he wants like a Nintendo Switch. Well, we went through the target area and we weren't allowed to register for the things that I wanted, but I did convince my wife that a Nintendo Switch was a good family console system and I registered for the Nintendo Switch for my my wife's baby shower. The baby shower came, and we got lots of stuff. Opened up all of this stuff, and we brought it all home, and I was sort of anxious. Did somebody go crazy and buy the Nintendo Switch for Brooklyn? Which she clearly has been wanting since she was in the womb, obviously. My daughter loves the Nintendo Switch, even though she hadn't been born yet. Um, And no, nobody bought us a Nintendo Switch. It was a huge disappointment. My wife came in with armloads of things like bottles, and burp rags, and diapers and stuff that children need, you know, Um, but nothing fun. Like none of it was even remotely fun. I was very, I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed to be honest with you. Now, the ridiculous part is, is that the relentlessness of my desire did not give up. And a couple of weeks later, we went back to Target because when you register for a baby shower, the stuff doesn't, that you don't get purchased off of your registry, you can go back and buy it in a one-time giant purchase with a 20% off discount for everything you purchase that day. It just so happened that when we walked into Target, they were unloading a shipment of Nintendo Switches, two of which were not claimed. That day, I got 20% off my Nintendo Switch because I claimed that it was for my unborn child. Target has since changed their policy so that people are incapable of capitalizing on the 20% off baby registry stuff, and, uh, and I was I, you can't actually get money off of your Nintendo Switch in the future. The point is, I got a Nintendo Switch, and my desires are ridiculous. Desires can be good and desires can be bad. We can desire a better life and we can also desire things that are really destructive. But most of us in our lives have also encountered people who have desired, desired really good things. And those desires have driven them to do amazing, unbelievably cool things. And we look at their lives with a bit of envy. Because the reality is we mask our selfish desires with selfless intent. We say things like, I've registered for a Nintendo Switch for my child, when reality is, all I really want to do is play the single-player game Breath of the Wild, and my daughter, who's not born yet, has no interest. That's a thin and terrible mask for a selfish desire. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't tricking or fooling anybody, but most of us have ways of making it seem like our selfish desires and our self-centered ways are actually us being sort of the suffering and sacrificing servants of Jesus. We have a way of sort of manipulating people into believing that our desires are holier and better than what they really are. We have a tendency to mask our selfish, self-destructive desires. And this is why the language of desires can be so fickle and difficult to discern. Because it's hard to believe that God actually wants to speak to you through your desires. When I was growing up, God only gave people desires to do things they didn't want to do. If someone didn't want to go to Africa, God made them go to Africa. If there was something bad that you really wanted to do, God told you that you weren't allowed to do it. God didn't speak through my desires. And growing up, I thought that my desires were corrupted, evil. There is no way that God could have implanted something in my life that was of him, certainly and not the world of my desires. But what if I told you that God is likely speaking to you through the deepest desires of your heart? If you could only learn to untangle those things from the web of deceitfulness that you've woven in your own life. Uh, C.S. Lewis, who was an author uh, and a philosopher, said this about our desires, and I think it's really powerful, so I wanted to read it. If we consider the unblushing promise of reward promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when the infinite joy is being offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. C.S. Lewis, the weight of glory. I wanted to dig in and read this. I wrote it, but I just don't want to mess it up. The plague of our generation is our desires are too weak. We're too easily satisfied with a new video game, Marvel movie, Tinder hookup, a high, porn, new relationship or season of stranger things. We do not desire the higher, better, and loftier slices of life that are available to us. We settle for acceptance rather than unity. We adopt tolerance rather than love. We embrace divorce over hardship. We get high instead of getting help. We attack instead of reflecting and growing. We are insecure, jealous, dulled, and sedated by our lesser desires but what if our desires are greater what if we didn't settle for what just felt good and got us by what if we stopped surviving and started thriving what if we stopped playing in the mud and started pondering the beach is it possible that God could tell us something through the things that we want is it possible that God could speak to us through the deepest desires of our heart are we even aware of of what our desires are anymore well let's look at a passage from the book of Psalms delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart here in the Bible the writer of Psalms says that God actually desires wants to give you the desires of your heart that the deep-seated things in your life that God wants to open up doors to those things if And only after we delight ourselves in the Lord. So I want the deep-seated desires of my heart. I want the things that I want. How do I get those things? I have to delight myself in God. How do I delight myself in God? Well, delight literally means, and I, I sort of wrote down some of the description, it's a keen sense of enjoyment. It means to take pleasure in. Delight means to give joy or satisfaction to. This means that we must turn for our deepest sense of joy and satisfaction to God first. We must learn to delight in the Lord. The reality is most of us don't desire to delight in the Lord. Most of us want to delight in the lesser, more accessible, and more temporary things of this world. Whether those things will make us better or worse, poison us, or strengthen us, We have things that we would like to turn to to delight in God over God. And even the things in my life, the benign or even good things that I turn to for delight instead of turning to God can corrupt the inner desires of my heart. What are the things that I delight in? Well, I'm pretty easy to like go after things that I can delight in. I delight in a good apple dumpling and I'm willing to drive pretty far and pay a pretty high price for a good apple dumpling. I delight in leveling up in another MMO. I delight in playing Dungeons and Dragons. Tomorrow morning, I'm going for three or four days with my buddies to play D&D. I'm so excited. I delighted in making my character, of talking with my friends, of collecting the books, of buying my miniatures, of hand painting them. I delighted when I purchased the handmade stone Dungeons and Dragons dice that I got off of Etsy. I've delighted in looking at them over and over again in the last weeks as I prepare them. They're just perfect for my new character. I've delighted in those things. And there's nothing wrong with taking delight in things. But there is a problem when I would rather delight in them before and over delighting in God. The question really for me is, do I take more delight in my Dungeons and Dragons session than I do in my time with my father? Do I take more delight in the hours I'm grinding on New World or ESO than I do in worship with my father? Do I delight more in whatever food it is that I'm partaking in because I really do delight in food than I do in my moments of quiet contemplation in prayer. The reality is our desires will follow our delights. The things that you delight in, you will eventually desire. And so when we turn our heart to God and begin delighting in Him, when He becomes the source of our satisfaction and the source of our pleasure, When that is the place that we desire to go above all others, our inner desires are reformed, transformed, and remade into his likeness in his image. And it's in that place that our desires cease to be fickle. They cease to be sinful. But our desires turn into the same desires of God. Our desires are mirrored in the spirit and the nature of our heavenly father. When we delight in him, the desires of our heart change. And then God rewards the desires of our hearts. So what if you are delighting in God? And I think this is where most of us need to start. If I'm honest, most Christians, especially most first world Christians, they need to start by their delight being in God. In fact, Jesus says something to The kind of like in reflection to the psalmist, Jesus says this, um, if we will seek first the kingdom of God, all other things will be given to us. Mark Batterson puts it this way. I'm afraid many of us read this backwards. We want everything the world has to offer, and then we will seek God. But that isn't the way it works. You can't seek God second or third or tenth and expect him to give you the desires of your heart. For most of us, This is where we need to start. And Mark Batterson does a good job of giving us a couple of pointers to begin to discern. Once our delight is in the Lord, has he given us the desires of our hearts? If we look at the desires and our inward longings, is it actually the voice of God speaking to us, or is it just something that we selfishly want? Well, I figured I would unpack that a little bit by looking at the story of Lux, because there's no place in life that God has more profoundly spoken to me through my desires than in the planting and the starting of Lux Digital Church. So I thought I'd go through a little bit of the history of how we started Lux and what God had done in my life to move us towards this new thing and sort of the steps that we had gone through. And hopefully they'll be helpful for you once you're delighting in the Father, to determine if the desires of your heart are simply your inward desires that are selfish and destructive, or if they're truly God's voice speaking to you. It was in uh, 2019 that I took a walk with the dog and I thought I heard the voice of God speak to me to start an online church for gamers. And if I'm honest with you, in that moment, I was very excited about the idea. The thought of combining two things that I love, the love of God and ministry, the love of teaching the Bible, and the love of the gaming community, putting those two things together and meshing them sounded amazing to me. It sounded beautiful to be able to take the gospel message to the very people who I felt were in desperate need of hope and light in an otherwise dark and spiraling world that was filled with Reddit threads and Discord memes. I felt that they desperately needed to hear about the hope that I had found in Jesus. I was so excited to take the gospel to people who spoke my language, who understood the way I think, people that were of my tribe. In fact, I was so excited about it that I did not know if it was my desire or God's desire. I didn't know if I had spoken or if God had spoken. And I was confused. I had a good job with a bright future. It paid well, had good benefits, everything that my family needed. And with two little girls in my home, the last thing that I was going to do was leave a good situation for a crazy pipe dream that had more to do with Mark than it had to do with God. If Lux was ever going to exist, it was because it was God's voice, not my idea. So I use some of the steps that Batterson outlines in his book. The first is this. First check your ego at your door, at the door. If it's about you, then it's likely not God speaking. God's mission is not for your fame, nor is it for your fortune. God's mission is his kingdom and his kingdom alone. If what you're trying to do and the desires of your heart is to grow your own platform, simply become richer, more well-known, or more powerful, then it likely isn't God who's speaking to you. And we can attempt to do God's work And be opposed by God himself it says that God opposes the arrogant in the scriptures those who are proud of heart so you can go about trying to accomplish God's work in an arrogant or prideful way and in such a way God will actually oppose the very work that you are trying to do for him it will cause total and complete emotional wreckage and spiritual destruction in the lives of the people that go with you and believe and this desire that you're claiming is from God himself. For me, I knew that Lux had the ability to be more about me than about God. In the church world, a digital church at the time of COVID was sort of cutting edge. It was sort of the tip of the spear. I knew there was an opportunity for it to be noticed. Let's just face it, when you look at twitch.tv and you see people streaming to 10, 15, 30, 100,000 people making buku money, becoming famous overnight, There's a lot of appeal there to grow your own platform and to become bigger, to become selfish and self-centered. But I knew that it had to be about people. It had to be about one person. If Lux was ever going to exist, and if I was ever going to be a part of it, we had to turn our focus away from building a platform and growing our numbers towards the transformation of individual lives, building relationships with real people, and building depth of community inside of an online space. I knew for me, it wasn't enough to simply get numbers. If Lux Digital Church's services never break a hundred people, but people's lives are being transformed by the new life of Jesus, that had to be enough for me. If I never got the opportunity to write an influential book or to speak on a big stage, but people in our small corner of the online gaming community received hope and light and new life, that had to be enough for me. The second is this, if you want it too much, you might want it for the wrong reasons. If you want something too badly, Batterson says it may be an indicator that you're not ready for it. And perhaps you will be, but there's some platforms that require character and spiritual maturity that you may not be ready for today. God may give you a desire in your heart and say, not yet. He may show you a picture of what's to come, but knows that he needs to deconstruct you and rebuild you before you'll get there. He needs to start over with areas of your life, points where you're just uncomfortable or uncertain, places in your life that may be destructive to the people who would go with you if you don't take care of them before you step in to this new desire that God has placed in you. For us, it was easy to want it for the wrong reasons. It just was. But in the end of the day, there was a lot of reasons to want to stay and not start Lux, because where we were was a lot more comfortable than even where we are today. And no matter how much I love Lux Digital Church, the reality is what we're doing now doesn't have nearly as secure a future as where we were. And so for us, it had to be more about seeing what God was doing in the future. It had to be about trusting God and walking in faith, In the end of the day, it was easy to become overwhelmed. There were days that was really difficult for us to step in to what was next in our lives. But we also knew that God had maybe placed that desire in our hearts. Third, emotion is a great servant and a terrible master. Don't make big decisions when you're in the middle of an emotional funk. In fact, during COVID-19, there was a lot of people who got depressed or overwhelmed, upset. They had a lot going on in their lives. And I kept telling people, don't make any big life decisions during a pandemic. And I still stick by that, although we made a lot of big life decisions during a pandemic. And even though I told that to people, more people than I had ever known over the course of a year moved, changed jobs, got divorced, got married, changed relationships, major massive overhauls to their life. Some people because their lives fell apart, some people because COVID-19 was a wake-up call to reorient who they were and refocus their lives on things that actually mattered. The reality is emotions when they run high is not the best time to make decisions. Emotions are a great indicator of what's going on inside of you, but they cloud your judgment and make it difficult to truly think out a situation. If you feel like God has called you to something new and you shouldn't be in your current job, you probably shouldn't quit your current job in a fit of rage, burning all of your bridges on the way out without having a plan for what God's actually going to do next. We're gonna talk about doors next week and you may actually need to wait for God to open a door before he closes the room that you're currently in. Do not allow emotions to rule your life. For us at Lux, emotions were very capable of ruling our lives, especially in the first six months. There were days where I had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows within an hour, where I thought everything was amazing and life was going to work out and I thought I was a complete idiot that was going to lose my house within 30 minutes of one another. The reality is, though, we didn't jump in when emotions were high, but we also chose not to jump out. We allowed God, over the course of a year, to develop the vision for Lux Digital Church, my wife and I, in our hearts, to allow us to see what was next. Now, this fourth one doesn't come from Batterson's book, but I'm adding it because I think it's important, and we're going to dive in deeper later in the series on the subject. Fourth, seek wise counsel from godly men and women. Like I said, we'll dig in deeper to it in a couple of weeks, but for now, God has placed you in this section of your life for a reason and he's placed people around you for a reason. You need, when you're trying to determine if your inward desire is the voice of God in your life, you need to have godly people and wise people around you to speak into your life to help you to discern if it's from God or not. The reality is we don't know where we're blind at. We can't see our blind spots because by default, we're blind to them but I guarantee that your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, your pastor is not blind to the things that you're blind to. You need to find at least a couple of people who can speak into your life. This doesn't need to be everybody, but it does need to be some people whom you trust, who you can share the desires of your hearts and say, do you think this is God or do you think it's me? You need people in your life who are willing to be brutally honest with you, but are continually and always loving simultaneously. People who are not afraid of offending you or maybe even hurting your, hurting your feelings in order to see your life prosper and be all that it can be. For us, this started with my wife, Jen. When we got the dream for Lux and I felt like we were entrusted with something that could be really special and had to check out with her. I knew that she wasn't a gamer and she didn't live much of her life online. She looked at people's Instagrams, but never posted on her own. So I knew the idea of starting a digital church would totally rock her world and it would send us into utter uncertainty. So I knew if my wife was on board, that God was likely in it. Second, I went to family members. These were people who had our best interest at heart. Many of them are not gamers, nor do they understand the online world. If my father, who grew up as a farmer in Western Pennsylvania, could get on board with where we were going, I mean, I thought it was crazy. He had to think it was totally insane and entirely impossible. So if I knew my dad or my mom was on board, then likely it was from God. Lastly, I went to my senior pastor. Now a mentor of mine, has been a mentor of mine for years, but now an elder at Lux. He's actually going to speak during this series. He's going to be a special guest during part of the Whisper series here at Lux. Uh, Chris had something to lose. And he also knew the Bible or the Rosetta Stone better than anybody I knew. I knew if I went to him and he was on board and all of those relationships checked out, that God indeed was speaking through the desires of my heart to see two loves, my love for the word of God, for Jesus, my love for God himself, and my love for gaming, and put them together to start a digital church that would bring hope to an online community that I loved, that I was a part of people who spoke my language, people who my heart broke for, people who I knew needed hope and needed light. And so through all of those things, we worked on discerning, is this inner desire the voice of God or is it simply my voice? In conclusion, most of us need to start by turning to God and making sure that we delight in him first and foremost, by ensuring that our time with our father is maybe the greatest part of our week, to turn to him and learn how to truly delight in the Father. Through that, we can turn down all of the other voices in our lives, put some of them on mute, so that we can actually hear the whisper that God is speaking to us through the inner desires of our heart, as he's reforming those things as our delights change. And then finally, we can go through some checks that Batterson gives us in this book to help us determine if this desire is truly from us or truly from God. But once all of those things check out, we can be fairly certain that God indeed is speaking to us through the very longings inside of our hearts, ones that he created for us, things that he intended for us before we were ever a thought in our parents' minds, things that were written into the very fabric of creation, before we were ever a part of it. Those are the deep-seated desires that God can give us. And they are worth delving for and searching for in the depths of who we are. That's really our next step this week. It's gonna start with, I will make God the del- my greatest delight this week. That's where we're going to be. God is speaking. And he has a unique and a specific voice in your life. He wants to speak through your greatest desires. The question is only, do you have the will to turn down everything else, delight in him, and tune your ear to the deep and amazing desires that he has planted within you? Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you. I praise you, Father, for you are good and loving. I pray now, God, that you would be with us as you speak through the desires of our hearts. I know that there are things for people who are in the stream and in the church right now the things that they've desired, deep heartfelt things. And they're unsure if these things are selfish things or if they're them or if it's God, if it's you who's speaking to them. I pray, God, that you would help us to turn down the world and tune our ear to you, that we would be able to listen in and decipher your voice through the way you speak to us in our inner desires. Pray these things in your name, Father, for your sake and your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.